0: Hey, and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm Adrian Jeffries. You may have noticed, not Josh Topolsky. I'm filling in for him. He, uh, he had a thing. So, I'm sorry to everyone, but today on the podcast, we are talking about canoes, airports, and why you should maybe think about moving to Germany. But first, a word from Josh and from our sponsors.
1: USAA is passionate about what they do, ensuring the financial security of the military community and their families. As an employer, USAA creates conditions for employees to succeed. USAA is hiring for customer service reps, designers, developers, insurance, banking, and more. Visit them online and see over 200 jobs available. It's an organization that provides opportunities for you to collaborate, create, and lead. Find your purpose with USAA. Visit usaajobs.com and join the team. Whether you're a seasoned internet pro or just starting out with your first website, HostGator is your one-stop shop for all things web hosting. Their drag-and-drop features and mobile-friendly templates make it easy to design a site that's perfectly customized to your audience. Not to mention, HostGator's 24-7 expert support is always available to assist you anytime you have a question. There's even a 45-day money-back guarantee. And right now, you can get 60% off by visiting hostgator.com slash tomorrow. That's hostgator.com slash tomorrow. Take a bite out of the internet. Also, that's not actually their tagline. I just made it up.
0: So, because today, tomorrow is mine... And I wanted to talk about some things in the news that I thought were interesting. I have tapped a very smart person to come talk to me about Twitter, which has drastically changed its product to be way more terrible. My guest today is Sarah Jong. She is a journalist, lawyer, and contributing editor at Motherboard, Vice's excellent tech blog. Um, Sarah, thanks so much for joining us from Portland. Is it raining there? It's actually the sun is shining for once. Oh, strange. Nice. uh, Twitter made some changes yesterday, yeah, yesterday this week. um, and you had some opinions about them. Yeah, so first of all, I think we should establish your authority as a person who knows from twitter yeah i I tweet <laughs> a lot. I tweet too much, uh-huh um, and I, you're very popular on Twitter and very funny.
2: for some reason, yes. For some reason, I am quote-unquote a power user of Twitter, which uh-huh. is, is... Who are you quote-unquoting here? Uh, Well, a, like a social head, apparently. Um, oh, uh, my. I and then I, I have, I don't know, it's for some reason people follow me on Twitter and a lot of people follow me on Twitter. It's it's pretty strange. For um,
0: the audience who doesn't know Sarah, she's an excellent Twitterer and often tweets arcane but very funny screenshots from weird copyright cases and also uh, has been known to live tweet from trials such as Google versus Oracle, which you may think is boring, but is actually edge of your seat fascinating stuff. I loved that trial so much. And also for some
2: <laughs> reason it, it was like an oddly viral sensation. Uh, like I think I, I think I have. I have yeah. like thousands of retweets on my final verdict tweet. Which oh is, my gosh! I know it's like, but that was like that was me breaking the news of the verdict, and that was like a
0: second after it was announced. So, which is that's really that's fun. Speedy. something that happened. I feel like that trial should be a mini series, like the OJ mini series. They should I do from so the- too. I really want. I like. I really want it to be something
2: like that because <laughs> I I think it's actually really exciting and really interesting, mm-hmm. um, in like a dorky little way. But yeah, I I tweet a lot. I tweet.
0: Um, For real quick on the Google Oracle things, I just realized some people may not know what that trial was about.
2: Oh, yeah, it's about the Android operating system and whether or not it was infringement of um, Sun Microsystem Now Oracle uh, America's copyright on um, the Java
0: language APIs. Okay, so Twitter's changes this week, like, just briefly summarize. Explain to me what just happened to my to my life on Twitter.
2: Yeah, so in replies, so not in the actual, like, originating tweet. In replies, the at handles of people no longer count towards the character limit, and the way that they do it is they disappear the at handles. So if you have, like, more than, like, three people in a canoe, you can't see everyone that's in the canoe, unless you click to open up this little dialogue. Um, And then in your timeline, it's not entirely clear who's replying to whom. And also you can add up to 50 handles. So you can have giant canoes of people basically engaging in reply all disasters. Kind of like when there's like a reply all nightmare on um, email, when everyone's like, please, please please get me out of this. And then, but then they just make it worse. It's like that, except it's on Twitter.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's even spammier on Twitter somehow.
2: Yeah, um, it's really
0: bad. Yeah, it's it's super confusing and uh, yesterday like I saw someone said something to me that I didn't see at first and didn't see until I had clicked into some other thread and now I don't even know. I'm like, I feel like Twitter's problem consistently from the beginning has been uh, being too complicated for people to figure out what's going on and uh, this seems like a step in the in the um, in this in the absolute wrong direction for making that that stuff easier to get
2: absolutely like I think it takes this horrible it's like the worst of all possible worlds. First, it like takes away all the nuance um, for like power users quote unquote like people who know Twitter um, and have like invested time in understanding how it works. like they lose a lot of the functionality they could get with the previous system. But on top of that, because the system is like pretty clunky, what ends up happening is that people who don't understand Twitter are going to barge into these threads and reply all to people or like explode other people's mentions. Um, It's easier for people who don't understand Twitter to mess up. And it becomes harder for people who do understand Twitter to sort of add nuance and play around with the features because those features are essentially disappeared. Also, it's really hard to read your timeline now. It's really hard to yeah. tell when people are talking to each other and who's talking to each other. And it's really like it's, and to tell the difference between when they're just tweeting out and it's, it's just very painful. It used to be that I could sort of see where all the conversations were and gather all of that information really quickly. Now I have to like sit and concentrate and sort of like figure everything out. And um, I think designers call this like the split attention problem or something or phenomenon. Um, but I, I, I just get such a headache when I look at my timeline now and everything takes like twice as long to, to parse and figure out.
0: Yeah. And what do you think, uh, what do you think they were thinking here (sighs) to make it more like Facebook, except that they
2: failed because the Facebook system is like Facebook. Exactly. Exactly. It's not like Facebook at all. So in, on Facebook, when you reply to someone's post, you just hit the reply button, right? And there's no, like, at um, at handle. But what ends up happening is when you reply, the reply is smaller, so you know that it's a reply and what it's a reply to. And then if you reply to that reply, it nests it, so it indents it, so you know that that's a reply to the reply. But by the time you get to, like, the third tier or whatever, when you hit reply, it automatically fills in that person's linked name, which is, mm-hmm. like, basically an at handle on Facebook. And so they haven't disappeared the at handles like they haven't. They're still there. It's just automated for people who don't know how to use them. Mm -hmm. And uh, when there aren't at handles visible, there's, you know, there's tiers and things are smaller and bigger to indicate when something is a reply to something else. It's it's intuitive.
0: Yeah. Okay. So they wanted to make it, faster or easier to reply or like have more space for text and not take up extra space with people's usernames. I guess that makes sense. Why, when would you ever have a situation where you would want to reply to 50 people at once? I know, right?
2: There's absolutely, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. It's, Uh, it's also like, why couldn't they just, instead of removing the usernames entirely, why couldn't they just make it so usernames don't count towards the 140 characters? Right. Like that seems that seems reasonable. Like they have link shortening already, so what's stopping them from um, at handles? It does strike me as a possibility that there's all of this technical debt in the API that makes it so they literally can't. Like that's mm-hmm. like just they would have to do a significant overhaul of the API to to just make that little tweak happen. Uh, maybe that's that's what's going on. I don't know, but if that's the case, like why are you inflicting this? On millions of users, instead of just tackling your your technical debt, like this is yeah. a really bad a really bad kludge.
0: So, in your story that you your excellent takedown for motherboard, which everyone should read, what was the title of that? Uh, Twitter is giving me an ulcer. Twitter's giving me an, an ulcer. Dial.
2: It's it's just like Twitter's new changes are, are giving. Are giving me an ulcer, which mm-hmm. was uh, two levels less clickbaity than what it was before. But it, those were my which true was feelings. What? And, oh, it was Twitter's new replies make me want to sit on a knife. And <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those are all my those are all my true yeah. feelings. But yeah, no, I was told to take it down a notch. I see. Yeah. So in there, you said it seems like no one at Twitter uses Twitter, or like does anyone at Twitter use Twitter? And I actually think that. It might be true that no one at Twitter uses Twitter.
2: I think it is true.
0: I think it's, because there are it's no, absolutely true. Like there are no prominent Twitter users who work there. Like Jack doesn't really He doesn't really, doesn't tweet. really tweet. I know that the, Del Harvey else? tweets, uh-huh. um,
2: but she's like she's on They, the should, put side, I, I they should put her in charge. I I know. They should put her in charge of the product. It's so frustrating. Whenever I talk to Del Harvey, like she clearly understands what's going on. And it, it's it's so frustrating because I don't think anyone else does. Like I've seen Twitter, um, like engineers give presentations of various Twitter products, and then they always sort of include their at handle in their in their PowerPoint presentations. You mm-hmm. Go and look up their at handle; they have like thirty tweets. They don't tweet. Yeah. They, don't they don't know get how it. to tweet. It's yeah. It's the most painful thing.
0: Yeah, and I I was looking yesterday at Jack's timeline at his tweets and replies and he had like five tweets in a row where he was explaining to people how to use a new feature and he was like just tap the names just tap the names tap the names he was talking about how you expand to see the 50 people who are tagged in your tweet or whatever yeah and when i looked at that i thought it's over for twitter this is it (laughs) they they clued it too hard And there's no, and this could be, and we could have one less social network.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm like really, I really want to be cautious about saying stuff like that because, like, you know, everyone, everyone says this over and over. I know, I'm being dramatic, but like, I, I have heard this more than once from people who are relatively tech savvy and have seen this cycle, right? Um, That they think that this is the end. (laughs) And (laughs) really. Yeah, I have heard it more than once. Like from people who, like, you know, are are not um teens or whatever or right. like yeah, we've seen just, this over and over again.
0: And it's just because it's so It ugh. just seems like a failure on so many different very important levels. Like it seems like a misunderstanding of how people are using the service. It seems like a failure to test a thing in a, an effective way. Um, and, and just a
2: failure to listen. Because the thing is, like, I wrote in my piece that they've tested this on me three times. Like, I Mm -hmm. was was in the beta group. And you said no. Yeah. I was in the beta group three times, and I publicly complained about it. And I know that Uh Twitter saw it because I had had, uh, people who worked at Twitter in my DMs going, hey, so sorry we pushed that out to you again. That was actually a mistake that third time. Uh And, like, and so they know. They know that I hate it. I... (laughs) I, yeah. sc- in screenshots, you, I, explained, the power user. I explained repeatedly all of my problems with it yeah. and the problems are still there. I hate it so much. It, it drives me completely up, up the wall. It's the dumb. worst part is that there it's were, spammy and dumb. there were tweaks that they did that may have been in response to my complaints, like little tweaks. Mm-hmm. Um, so it used to be that there was a thing that they would do where if you replied to, um, a tweet that had an article in it, so if there was an article um, from like the New York Times oh, it, it would, would automatically source, yeah, yeah it would automatically add the source and you wouldn't be able to see it until like after you did it because there's no way to opt out of it. Right. And that made me so crazy. And they don't they don't do that in this new rollout. So they did notice that people hated that. Mm-hmm. Um and the other thing that they did was it used to be that in the repli- little replies thing, they would put people's names instead of their at handles, and they changed that to at handles instead of the names because it would then be too easy to, like, you know, fake right. who you're Speak replying someone to else. or, like, yeah. yeah. But um,
0: it, it's – this is still bad. It's yeah. still really, really <laughs> bad. Well, I hate yeah. it so much. It was, like – it was kind of fun yesterday – it felt like a Friday on a Thursday because everybody on Twitter was just messing around with this new feature and, like, adding Jack and adding the Pope. And, like, I was in this Twitter <laughs> canoe with you. Thank you for that. And it was, like, you know, it was kind of, it felt like everybody was having a food fight.
2: It, it, um, it is really funny, but it's also, like, so um, at the same time that this was happening, and it was, like, kind of fun. And I, I did add, add you to that canoe for so that I could um screen cap. yes, it was for journalism. I'm so sorry I did that to everyone. Right. Um but it's still going. <laughs> I know. And I haven't muted it because I'm the one who's responsible, so I feel like You have to feel the pain to the end. Yeah, I do. And and I keep Which telling Which is never. That's and I keep telling people one-on-one, like, you, you should mute this conversation, you should mute this conversation. But until everyone else has muted the conversation, I feel <laughs> obligated to stay looped in because I did this and it's my fault. Um, that seems like the ethical, <laughs> the ethical response. Um, but the, like, no, so while we were having fun with this, actually, like, I was sort of in the sidelines, I was watching people, like, harass other people using the 50-person canoe. Which is like mm. that's, you know, the obvious outcome is like people who you know when
0: you dogpile someone, <laughs> right? One of the things it's almost like, yeah, it's like almost like you teach people how to mob direct who yeah. hadn't previously been doing that. Like previously, it was trolls who had kind of figured out that special skill of like targeting a person with fifty yeah. people at and a like, time, and, and now it's person, like
2: this person had been mobbed like basically for the last few days. Like I had sort of been watching it happen. Um, it's like, what a, was the,
0: without, yeah, what was the it, basic situation? Oh, it's, um, oh God, I don't even. Is this like it's a politics some, thing? Is it a video games thing? Is it a woman thing? Like which of the three things that it always is? is it, it's it? Stalinists
2: online <laughs> and a roommate film at the same okay. time. I really don't want to delve into it, but let's okay. say let's, people are mad at each other because of a roommate thing, but also they're all Stalinists. And so okay. it's, it's just like a whole thing. Like it's, it's just, I don't really, um, there's a lot of bad people involved and mm-hmm. I don't really want to delve into it, but,
0: but, but I, basically I, yeah. someone, someone who's getting targeted unfairly. Yeah, and like, it's, I mean, possibly
2: unfairly. I'm not entirely like, I don't really want to say one way or the other, Mm-hmm just because the situation is, like, super complicated and they're, everyone's doing some really bad things on every side. Um, but, yeah, like, I was watching the 50-person loop being used to harass this person, and I was just like, yeah, no, of course that's going to happen. This is day one, and this is happening. Like, obviously, it's just going to get worse from here. And that really sucks. Like, that just... Like of course this was going to happen. This is so predictable.
0: Well, one time I did a podcast and Jack listened to it, so maybe he'll listen to this one again. Maybe I. I am. It had it had a, another um, a celebrity Twitter user, which is the rapper Talib Kweli. So
2: oh well, I I'm not Talib Kweli, <laughs> unfortunately.
0: I, you're base. You're basically. I feel like you're basically on his level. No. Unfortunately, like I don't,
2: I don't do anything good, so it's not. (laughs) So Jack is definitely not going to listen to what I have to say. But uh, my hope is that I I can. My hope is that I can reach out to other people that he might actually listen to. Uh, I really, really hope that Twitter rolls this back. My sense is that they don't listen, and that I think that the sort of worst thing, the, the most indicative thing about this being possibly the end of Twitter, being like a huge milestone um, in, in people just sort of leaving is that they're just not listening. Right. Like the fact that they like tested this and they're like, Oh yeah, no, this is fine. And all of the people who in my mentions are like, Oh no, actually I like this are people who don't really tweet. Like you look at their Twitter Mm -hmm. accounts and it's just like, you don't really tweet. You do a lot of the thing where you reply to celebrity accounts that don't reply back Right, yeah. or you like, or you retweet things about politics, which is like you know that's a perfectly fine use of Twitter, but you're not not the really pers- like right, like you're not anything. really adding that yeah. much. You're there for other people. You're not there f- there like contributing content and maybe. Like, you know, I know that Twitter really wants to grow its user base, but maybe alienating the people that other people all want to follow is, like, not the way you grow your user base. Right. So we'll see. Well, I I don't really know what this means for Twitter, but I do know that I want to tweet a lot less. Like, every time I open up the app, I'm just filled with all of this rage yeah. And I know that I'm not going to get used to it because they've tested this on me three times before. And every time they did this, I just went, well, I guess this version of Twitter is unusable now. And then I would switch to a different version because mm-hmm. I knew that the version where it had all of the replies collapse was going to trip me up or make, make it very difficult for me to read Twitter or it was going yeah. to make it difficult for me to tweet.
0: Well, I would just like to say that I agree with you on absolutely every point of this, and that I hate it, and uh, it makes me sad because Twitter is fun. Um, But you know, maybe it will die and be eaten in this great cycle of life. Yeah, but Twitter is like so much fun. It makes me really 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 (laughs) sad, right? Like it's it. Twitter is so much so much fun. Let's start a distributed open source microblogging platform. It exists. I mean, right. I think
2: a couple of things exist. Yeah, it's well, called App. Mastodon. Oh. Uh, yeah. No, I've actually, for, journals, right, I'm and purposes, for journals and See purposes, sponsors, I'm, I'm playing with it. I'm Oh, cool. uh, no. Mastodon is because it's um, FOSS. Like, it's basically running on, like, $600 a month right now. Like, the, the guy just has a Patreon. It's just, like, one developer. And he's just like, hey, I want to get up to $800 a month to cover my living expenses and, and hosting. And I will just continue running <laughs> Mastodon for free. I actually don't know where he lives. Does he actually live in Portland?
0: No, I'm just guessing because it's oh. Foss and he like has a low yeah. amount of money that he needs to survive. Yeah, and live.
2: something like that. But it's right. like,
0: yeah, no, it's like Mastodon
2: is some very, very super indie shit right now. Cool. And, and they'll never have out. money and
0: never have VC. Hmm. Well. All right. So that was a super deep dive on um, on a service that not a lot of people use on the grand scheme of things. So
1: <laughs> well, um, <laughs> I am going to
2: I mean, I'm going to I'm going to do a really deep dive into Mastodon and see what's up. It's
0: so weird. Yeah. Yeah, to be clear when I said a service that not oh, a lot of people use mean I meant Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> um anyway, yeah, Burn. I just, you know, feel very passionately about Twitter and want to talk about it all the time. I'm sorry to everyone else. Um, I also wanted to ask you about another newsy thing which we don't need to go into the weeds on as much, but another thing that people in our circles talk about, we're on about this week, was the um, fact that Congress voted to overturn an FCC rule that increased protections uh, for consumers from their ISPs. Now, my understanding is ISPs can sell your data sort of without you being aware of it, Um, which is something that they could do, until january anyway and then a new rule came into effect and they couldn't do it for three months now they can do it again and people are like first of all all of the alt-right internet communities that supported donald trump are like how could he which is really funny yeah but second all the infosec people and i tweeted about this also and motherboard did a story about vpns are like this is how you protect yourself this is how you protect your data like Everybody get mobilized. Like some people were doing little Twitter campaigns before the vote, where trying to get people to call their congressmen. And it wasn't clear to me that it was that big of a deal. What is your sense of how big a deal this is? I mean,
2: i i do I think it, i think it's a huge problem. I like you do, do think it's a huge problem. I mean, that I know that it was the case before January, um, but there is a very nasty ecosystem of. Mm-hmm of selling data online and it's so nasty and really disturbing, frankly. And um, like you can find people's addresses really easily. You can find things out about their families and this is like information that's bought and sold. And I think it's really problematic. um, Is that coming from ISPs? I imagine some of it's coming from ISPs. The thing is like, it's completely opaque. That's why the FCC rule was in place. It was to, get some kind of transparency into what was happening. Like when people sell your data, they don't have to tell you. And Mm -hmm. so we don't know where all of this data is coming from. It's very, very difficult to track it down. I've never sort of seen a comprehensive piece on it. I really would like to. Um, And it's just very, it's upsetting. It's disturbing. I don't think people understand how compromised they are until they become compromised. Um, mm-hmm. once you become like, a, like a severe target, like for instance, if you're Zoe Quinn, who's sort of at the center of Gamergate, like then you find out a bunch of stuff and it's, right. it's super terrible. Um, but it's, um, yeah, I, I think it's bad. The, and that it seems doesn't have like... to be this way. It doesn't like Europe isn't like this.
0: And right, that seems yeah. like, a. Uh... A sort of a problem that needs to be solved on a different sort of level, where data, um, the data market, personal data market, is acknowledged and sort of policed by like something more, more comprehensive, right? But also this rule was doing with ISPs. Yeah, but
2: but it's a simple rule, right? It's something Mm -hmm. that makes it. It's it's not that onerous on ISPs because you just have to notify users, right? Like that's not. That's not too much. It's not mm-hmm. saying you can't do it. It's saying that you have to notify users, and then it sort of lets the free market decide. By the way, there is no free market in ISPs. So this rule, <laughs> in my opinion, wasn't enough, but uh-huh. it is what it is. It's like it's not an onerous rule in ISPs. It's, it protects consumers. Um, it, it's a perfectly fine regulation, and Congress voted to get rid of it because Congress is compromised. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, it says some deep things about Congress itself. But I think that the really concerning thing about ISPs is that ISPs have access to you and your information on a level that services do not, that a lot of people do not. It is a deep level of access. And because there's not a lot of choice in ISPs and because of that deep access, this is a
0: really concerning problem, a really, really concerning problem. That's a really good point because people were saying, you know, this is stuff that Google and Facebook are already able to do, but those are... That's not true. Those are... Yeah. Well, that they're able to uh, resell consumer data without notifying oh, them yes. specifically.
2: But Google and Facebook don't have the level of right, access exactly. to that ISPs do. ISPs have it at a root level, a really, really basic level, where you kind of can't choose. You kind of just don't have a way out of there. Like, you can kind of, to some extent obviously like I really want to uh, hedge this one um, because like you kind of really have to know what you're doing. Um, you can kind of choose what you give to Google and what you give to Facebook. And of course, because those services are so prevalent in a way you can't choose because you're locked in. Um, right. And sometimes there isn't good, good enough informed consent, but with an ISP, like there's kind of nothing. It's your. Unless you use a VPN, and we should definitely talk about why that's a problem too.
0: Well, first, it's a problem because the only good ones are paid, which yeah. means that you need to be able to afford a VPN. I mean, they're not debilitatingly expensive. I think they're what, like, sixty dollars a year. It's it's, but it's still a tax. It's a tax on mm-hmm. you.
2: And then the other thing is also that VPNs. You're basically replacing your ISP with a VPN. Like the VPN now can see everything you're doing. Um, and so you kind of just have to trust that the VPN isn't reselling your information. And a lot of them do promise, but like, uh, you know, like you got to trust the VPN. Um, you have to basically be okay with the VPN having everything now. Um, and you know, I use a VPN actually, I don't use it at home. Um, I, I am going to have to make some choices about my ISP soon, um, and whether I can trust them, but I use a VPN when I'm in hotels. I use it when I'm in a coffee shop because, or like on public Wi-Fi. I think that that is sensible. I think that that's something that people who can afford it should be doing. Um, but it's still, you know, I don't like. I'm not gonna. Not that I would, but if I were doing like internet crimes or whatever, VPN is not enough. Like if I'm Edward Snowden, like I should definitely not be using a VPN. Like it's, if you're an activist, a VPN mm-hmm. is like not enough. It's really, um, I, I really want people to beware of thinking that a VPN is going to solve it. Like this is such a endemic um, problem that's rooted in the system itself. Uh, it has to do so much with consumer protection that obviously, 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 there like you know ought to be a rule or a regulation or a law about it. Like that's the best fix for this privacy mm-hmm. issue, and Congress has decided to go in the wrong direction.
0: Yeah, I think this is a symptom of Congress not prioritizing data protection at or all. People, like <laughs> or, or people. people. Yeah. Um like let's, the Verge let's be, did Let's be real here. Like there's <laughs> yeah. there's a lot more stake here we than data privacy. Yeah. Um so the Verge published a story that was like here's the donations that each congress member who voted to overturn this rule got from the telecoms industry. Yeah. And uh and they were like, "Haha, look, like this one member only got $300, like $300 for a vote." But of course, it's like it's not $300. Here's how you vote. It's like this is an issue they didn't really care about. Someone told them, like, this is important, you know, like, traded a vote for something else. You know how it goes in House of Cards. Like, yeah. it was just not something that they thought was uh, important to make an individual decision on, basically, is my read on it. It
2: was very politicized. Like, if you look at it, it was basically party lines. Yeah. So clearly something about the Republicans, like, they, they were like, oh, hey, this thing that everyone hates, this privacy-killing thing— um <laughs> this, is a, this is a Republican value. Issue. No, seriously though. That's like that's yeah. really sick and like it says something really sick about the current state of affairs.
0: Yeah, and uh it's also crazy to me that um when companies lose your data or there's a data breach or um, whatever that the only reason that you get notified is because this is a law in California. <laughs> Correct me if that's if there's anywhere else that requires Um, you to do that. So. Like there is no federal law that says. This is kind of complicated because the FTC has some kind of like sort of jurisdiction around it. Um, But this is the kind of thing that should be just straight up a rule for everybody. Like, hi, Um, I'm T-Mobile. I collected your social security number for no reason and left it in a data center that got something happened to it. And now it's on the dark web. Oh yes, I'm sorry. and then also for if they a dollar.
2: also if they like really messed up, there should be like serious penalties for it, right?
0: Yeah, like absolutely, right. Um, but no, <laughs> yeah, there isn't. Uh, yeah, I'm moving I mean, to Germany. Fuck this place.
2: <laughs> but that doesn't help, right? Because all of the companies are in the U.S. Like it's it it doesn't actually help you that much. Like you can have these German specific rules, but it only, like, you know, there's, like, notification rules or, like, how they handle your data or whatever. But if you're, like, going through U.S. companies and U.S. companies are being, you know, sloppy because there's no regulations around it out here, like, you're still in danger. Like, it, it is really... It's, like... Well, it's time for some game
0: theory. Like, it, it really is, <laughs> Globalization. like... Globalization. Yeah,
2: yeah, no, but it's, it's, it's similar to climate change. It's, like, this big issue that you do sort of need this like cooperation around right. and you need like government to step in in order to regulate it because otherwise it's just
0: you're kind of screwed okay so we're gonna take a break real quick to hear some ads from josh and we'll be right back
1: If you're running an e-commerce business, Whiplash is your virtual warehouse. You send your products to a Whiplash facility so that when orders come in, Whiplash packs and ships them just like you would, but faster and, of course, cheaper. Leave the logistical hassle of order fulfillment to them and save money on shipping costs while doing so. Holiday sales shouldn't be stressful. Next time, get Whiplash. They've got facilities in Detroit, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and London. And listeners of this podcast can get $100 credit when signing up at getwhiplash.com slash tomorrow. Hey, listen, quick note. We're so incredibly happy that we have such good, smart, funny, interesting advertisers on the show. When I started this, I was like, who would spend money on this guy? And it turns out a lot of people are willing to do it because we have really awesome support from you guys, the listener. You know, we really rely on your input uh, for this show so we can understand what you guys want and what you don't want. Um, And we were hoping if you would like to Help us out. You could set aside a few minutes and go to podsurvey.com slash Joshua to take a quick, easy, anonymous survey that will help us get to know a little bit about you better and also help us provide better advertising. And, you know, I would be able to do five-hour podcasts instead of just one-hour podcasts. It could get very exciting. This is actually really good because it's going to help us find advertisers that are better matched to you guys and your interests. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can enter a monthly drawing to win a $100 Amazon gift certificate, which is great because I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time and money on Amazon. And even if you've taken the show's uh, listener survey before, you can do it every month. The current one is new and different. And so any input you have to give, we're ready for it. We're open and waiting. So go to podsurvey.com slash Joshua. That's P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y. Dot com slash Joshua. And thank you for helping us and really helping yourself. And we're back with Sarah
0: Jong, contributing editor at Motherboard. So Sarah, you have been writing a very illuminating newsletter about the airport cases.
2: Yeah, so the airport cases are I mean, it's a collective name for all of the litigation that's going on around um, Trump's travel ban. So some of the litigation is by plaintiffs who got caught in the travel ban. So, for instance, like the ACLU suing um, the government, essentially. And some of it is states like Hawaii, Washington, Minnesota, um, and so forth, suing the government on,
0: on behalf of themselves, essentially, for the travel ban. Why did you call it the airport cases? Is that something other people have been calling it, or were you just like some
2: people were? Some people were calling it the airport cases already. Other people were calling it like the travel ban litigation. Sometimes I refer to it as the travel ban litigation, the Muslim ban litigation. Mm -hmm. I like the airport cases, um, and like I, I just sort of like the feel of it. It it has to do with the fact that it originated out of the airports because that's sort of the flashpoint. Of the litigation to begin with, obviously right now, it's not happening in airports, airports are like not as huge of a part of it. Um, but there were all of these people who were detained inside airports, and there were protests right. at the airports, and so on and so forth. And lawyers showed up and were writing out ritz of habeas corpus, like on scene. So um, I kind of wanted to remind people of where this all started. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it's also, it, it flows a little more smoothly than the travel ban cases.
0: Right. How many of these cases are there right now by your account? Who boy. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot. I, some, some
2: of them are closing down all the time. So it's like a little difficult for me mm-hmm. to keep track of them all. I think by my last count, there were like 20, a little over 20.
0: Yeah. Wow. Something like that. And the big deal one was Hawaii most recently. Well, most recently, yes.
2: I would argue that the one in Maryland is a bigger deal. Um, Why is that? Well, because it's going through a different circuit. So it's going up on appeal and arguments are going to be heard in May. Um, So it's happening faster? No, it's just a different circuit. So it's already the travel ban to some extent has already gone to the Ninth Circuit on the West Coast. And the fact that it's going to the Fourth Circuit on the East Coast now, it just means it's a different circuit. So we're going to see a different sort of um, a different vibe. Okay. Um, so
0: Hawaii is on the same circuit as Washington. Yes. And the Ninth Circuit already basically came out against Trump in general. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's complicated
2: because of the procedural stance, but like we've already seen the Ninth Circuit and what they have to say about it. And so now we're going to see what the Fourth Circuit has to say about it. And if they disagree, then we have a circuit split. And that's the fast check to the Supreme Court. If they agree, and I think they're going to end up agreeing, I kind of just think that it's a little too much. Um, but we'll see. It's like, legally speaking, the government is actually in a surprisingly strong position. It's just oh, that, really?
0: yeah, no, it's, it's... Uh, With the changes,
2: um, no, just even before the changes, actually, like it's, it sort of has to do with the fact that presidential power with respect to immigration is very, very strong, like extremely strong. And even though the executive order doesn't make any sense, and even though it seems to blatantly violate the First Amendment, um, it's not entirely clear that the president doesn't have the power to just go ahead and do something like this. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's actually really bizarre. And I think that it it is more an indictment of our legal system than I think is sort of like, Oh yeah, no, it's totally okay that the president can do this. No, I think it actually just means that the law was wrong before and, um, needs to clearly change and that there needs to be a different outcome in these cases. Um, but like, yeah, no, it is like, we're not entirely sure how it's going to turn out in the future. And, um, I am really curious to see what the Fourth Circuit has to say. If the Fourth Circuit and the Ninth Circuit agree, then Trump is in a really, really bad position, and um, we'll see where it goes from there. It seems like the Department of Justice is um, fighting this every step of the way. I, like, don't... Like, if they just dropped this and, like, dropped the executive order and all of that, like, it really... Like, it might be better for them politically, but there's a lot of mysterious things they've been doing that can't really be explained anyway, so I don't know why I'm even bothering questioning the wisdom
0: yeah. of this. Um, it seems yeah. like, like the Occam's razor answer would be they are disorganized and not on top of it. I think you wrote in one of your newsletters that they had—you know, the Justice Department had said they were going to appeal, but they only noticed some— in some cases that they were going to appeal. They only noticed some cases that there was a new executive order at all. Mm -hmm. Like it seemed like they weren't totally maybe on top of all of the cases that are pending against them.
2: Yeah, I I do think that it's really messy. Like in the Ninth Circuit, in the oral argument in the Ninth Circuit that everyone got to hear on CNN, um, the guy, the DOJ guy who argued for Trump, um, everyone was sort of like, wow, he was really bad. Actually, he was really good because he only found out that he was going to argue this case like a few hours like an hour before. before, yeah. yeah. So he had to brief himself and he didn't write the briefs either. So he was just like some random person who wasn't even on this case that they dragged in and had him do the argument. Like that's... What was his name? August Flin... Flinji? Uh, yeah, Flintia or something. Flintia. Um, yeah, poor guy. Like yeah. he did a really great job considering... And it's like a, a real... Um, One of those nightmares where you like are on stage and then you're, it turns out you're naked. It's that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it was like they basically handed him a pile of hot garbage and they were like, here you go. Defend this. Defend this. this. And like,
2: and we're going to, and it's going to get streamed live on CNN.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think is going to happen to the people who are affected by this executive order. I mean, right now there's a temporary restraining order. Uh, That means it's not in effect. So some of the people have been let in.
2: So some of the people have been let in. Like um, the Iraqi translator that the ACLU was really quick to represent, like sort of the first guy, um, his name is like Darwish, he's been let in um they like got him out of detention and they're like all right my bad this was a mistake you uh uh rendered a great service to the united states military in iraq and you're gonna get let in um so in in a lot of these cases it's like moot and in other cases like sort of the harm is pending like like in the hawaii case um The one of the people who's suing is suing because uh, his mother-in-law is sort of in the process and they're not sure whether she's going to have her paperwork denied or whatever because she's from one of the
0: affected countries. Um, And and the affected countries, so the first travel ban was seven countries, the second one was six countries. Yeah, they removed Iraq because uh, the
2: military was really upset that they had included Iraq because it was catching...
0: yeah, they basically yeah. had all these translators and fixers mm-hmm. who were putting themselves in danger for the promise of yeah. a ticket to America, and, yeah, and they've been being denied. Yeah, yeah, and
2: they were being denied, and like their service had been like many many years prior, and um, like the reason why they were being denied now is because they had been going through vetting over those years, which right. is
0: that's really extreme really, vetting, one might say. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's really dark and really sad that yeah. this is happening.
0: And, and, and the yeah. countries that are on the new executive order are, so, Iran, Syria, Sudan, Somalia, Yemen, Libya. I, bel- I
2: believe Libya. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, what's happening to these other people, I think, sort of one of the great ironies of the airport cases is that it doesn't matter whether or not this gets enforced, um, you've been seeing increased harassment at the border of all kinds of people, even like U S citizens, um, people of countries that are not affected by the ban. Um, and you, you see this increased harassment because there's been like this message sent to um, customs and border protection that if like, you know, that it's okay to harass Muslims, that the new administration wants them to harass Muslims. And Once that message is out there, like, you can't take it back. No court can um, tell CBP that this is not okay. I mean, actually they could, but it would be really unusual. uh, And who knows if that would affect them in any way whatsoever. Um, And yeah, it's just like, in a way, it doesn't matter that the EOs are unconstitutional. It doesn't matter if the EOs get permanently enjoined forever. Um, this sort of thing, this climate that the executive orders have rendered in this country is going to remain. Uh, Hate crimes will stay up. Harassment at the border is going to stay up. People are going to continue to live in fear. And uh, it's almost as though this litigation is about sort of the bare minimum that the law can do. Because if they... If the courts end up ruling in the government's favor and finding the EOs constitutional, then it sort of drops the floor, right? It, it says, even this little thing, even this ridiculous thing, uh, ridiculous, painful thing where all of these people came out on Fox News and said it was a Muslim ban over and over again. Um, we can't say that it's unconstitutional. We can't even do this And everything is okay. And that would be, I think, really bad. I think that it would damage the legitimacy of the constitution itself. Um, Which is why I'm like, I'm pulling, I'm clearly pulling for one side. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna try and pretend like my newsletter is unbiased or whatever. Um, I think that I'm accurately reporting the news and that I'm explaining things to people truthfully but yeah, no, I'm I'm pulling for the government to lose in this uh, because I think that the alternative is very scary.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that, except that I do feel like there is some value in the pushback that we've seen. Like, whereas if there hadn't been an executive order and there had been sort of a softer, more subtle kind of persecution. Yeah that didn't have such an obvious target to push back against and... and, I mean, it would just be like the Bush years.
2: It would be exactly like the Bush years. And the ACLU lost over and over again in the Bush years because it was so subtle.
0: So, yeah, I think, um, like, in a way, at least, like, if you're a Muslim living in America, you can see uh, the footage on CNN of lots of people coming out to JFK spontaneously to, to say that they disagree with this right or rooting um, for the case or rooting for the government to lose right. in this case yeah yeah so i do think that that is that the, there is value in that but uh yeah i mean i agree it's like it's definitely like if i were uh someone thinking of traveling to the u.s and like this is affecting everybody pretty much like everyone who is an immigrant or who has an immigrant in their family is thinking like at what point does this touch me like my stepmother um has a green card from Russia, <laughs> yeah. which like could easily end up on some kind of list jotted yeah. down by Donald Trump at some I mean, point. Like I have everyone's green thinking card. about it. Like I have a green
2: card. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why I'm doing this newsletter is because it, it touches me in, in a way that feels very personal, even though I'm not from one of the targeted countries. And um, because I don't have brown skin, I'm not that likely to be harassed at the border. But it, because of this travel ban, like I've canceled plans abroad. Like I wanted to go back to South Korea to see my grandmother this summer, and I've gone ahead and canceled that trip because I don't want to go back to my country of origin right now in this climate. Like I, mm-hmm. it just worries me too much. Um, and yeah, that's like kind of paranoid, but it's a reasonable kind of paranoid because you kind of just. Every day you don't know what's going to happen is the problem. Like you can't quite predict what's next. And I think in a way it's, that's the meta most scary thing about it is that everything can change in the twinkling of an eye. You kind of really miss how the government was before where you could see things coming down the pipeline very, very slowly. And (laughs) right. Right. And like right now, because there's like so much secrecy and ad hoc uh, impulsive behavior, you have no idea what your life is going to be like the
0: next day. Well, one thing you can do is educate yourself and people should sign up for your newsletter. How do they do that? Um, I am
2: on Tiny Letter.
0: So it's tinyletter.com slash airports.
2: And uh, from there, you just put in your email and sign up for the newsletter.
0: Cool. Um, it's an excellent newsletter. It's a fun read. It has personality. It also, Sarah, you have a law degree. So you actually know what you're talking about. Unlike some other people who write about this stuff. Um, and it is very complicated. So it's good to get it from someone who is taking it seriously.
2: Well, um, only kind of seriously I do joke (laughs) around a lot.
0: Yes. Well, you gotta have jokes in dark times. You need jokes for sure. Um, well, thank you so much for talking to us about these things. Yeah, thanks for having me on. For sure. And people can also follow you on Twitter for however long you will still be there. At, <laughs> yes. at Sarah Jong. Yes. S-A-R-A-H-J-E-O-N-G. Yeah. Um, awesome. Goodbye. All right, Sarah, thank you so much. All right. Bye, Bye Sarah. Bye. Have a great day. You too. That's it for tomorrow. Josh will be back soon with another episode. But until then, I wish you and your family the very best. Except that Comcast has sold their information to the Trump administration, and it's only a matter of time.